Captain. Let's move. ABC Thursdays. Firefighters, we're family. Station 19 is back for its final and hottest season yet. The subject has explosive chemicals. Get down! With fiery romances. You're the love of my life. And Andy is finally in charge. I'm going to be the best damn captain the station has ever seen. Station 19. All new Thursdays, 10, 9 central on ABC and stream on Hulu. You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at 6. Good evening. Thanks for joining us. We begin tonight with breaking news and details about a murder in South Surrey earlier this week. The victim now being identified as an up and coming rapper from the Toronto area. Julia Foy is live in our newsroom with the new details. Julia, what have you learned? Well, Colleen, just a short time ago, I spoke to a woman who says she's still traumatized after finding the body of a young black man on December 23rd at her neighbor's home in South Surrey. She told me the day after the murder, she read a report on the music website hiphopcanada.com, which said a Toronto-area rapper known as YS died in Surrey Tuesday night. So she reviewed some of his online videos and believes he's the same man she discovered in a horrific scene inside a house in the 2200 block of 152nd Street. His real name is believed to be Keyshawn Brown, and tributes to the rapper YS have appeared on several social media sites. Now, Global News did contact the Integrated Homicide Investigation Team, which is investigating this murder, but they would not reveal the name of the victim. Anyone with information is asked to call IHIT. Julia, thank you. Calls tonight for safety improvements to a stretch of road in Burnaby where a 13-year-old boy was injured in a hit and run just before Christmas. The teen was left unconscious at the side of the road. John Wass spoke to him and explains why some fear it's just a matter of time before someone else is hurt or worse. I might not be the same. My leg might not be the same. I might not be able to run the same. Heavy thoughts for a 13-year-old who is frankly lucky to be alive. Uh, it could have been a lot worse. I could have had brain damage or I could have broken my spinal cord. Instead, Joseph Cabreas was left with a concussion and broken femur. The length of recovery, a minimum of six weeks. It's very surprising that someone would hit me and then just run away. The Burnaby teen was walking to Edmonds Community Centre shortly after 5 o'clock Monday evening when he was struck by a vehicle near Humphreys and 17th Avenue. The driver fled leaving Gabreas unconscious on the road. I think my boy, no here now. No here now because it's too hard for me. This mother unable to understand how someone could leave the scene when her son needed help. They break my heart so much because I think he, he no think about my son, he no think about the family, he no think about nobody. And as the family holds on to hope that anyone with information comes forward to Burnaby RCMP, they're also asking the city of Burnaby to take a look at the street where Joseph was struck, saying a lack of sidewalks and lighting makes it dangerous for all pedestrians at night. No signal, no light, no nothing. Those who live, drive and walk along Humphreys Avenue agree. I always pay extra attention just even on this particular strip because everywhere else has sidewalks. And it's a, it's a common route for, for young people, mostly. 
The city providing this statement. City Council recently committed to an accelerated sidewalk program that aims to build more than 16 kilometers of new sidewalks in Burnaby next year. Humphreys Avenue falls into this priority category. Sometimes when I, when I move my leg a little bit, it starts hurting a lot. Gabrez's focus now is on healing and hoping the person who hit him does the right thing. John Hua, Global News. New details tonight in a murder mystery involving a Langley senior found dead on Christmas Eve. Romina Dea explains what we're learning about 67-year-old Dennis Johnson and the hours leading up to his death. Homicide detectives spent three days at the property behind me gathering evidence. 67-year-old Dennis Johnston lived in a bus at the back of this sprawling property. Nobody answered when we knocked on the doors of the campers. It's unclear how many people might live back here. Emergency responders were called to the site on Christmas Eve after 9 p.m. Crews worked on the senior for about an hour, but he died. So we're just looking into a murder case. Did you know Mr. Johnston? The owner of the property says Johnston was a good man, no issues with police. He had lived at the back for about four years. The owner says Johnston was a hard worker. He worked construction in Burnaby and was a mechanic in Langley. Johnston was apparently at Walmart earlier in the day before picking up a friend. I hit wants to speak to anyone who saw Johnston at a social gathering earlier in the day on Christmas Eve. I hit would not go into details about where that gathering was or who was there. One person at the scene who apparently called 911 was taken into custody but later released. I hit won't say why. No charges have been laid. Investigators don't believe the murder was gang related. Romina Dea, Global News. The BC SPCA needs your help to care for 19 huskies surrendered over the holidays. The 17 puppies and two adult dogs arrived in a shelter Christmas Eve. RCMP and animal control officers responded to a complaint and found the dogs living outside in the snow on a property in the interior. The 8 to 10 week old puppies are being treated for worms in quarantine but will be vaccinated and ready for adoption in late January. The Canadian Taxpayers Federation released its annual New Year's Tax Changes report today. It highlights BC's shift from MSP to the employer's health tax. But as Nadia Stewart reports, that doesn't mean British Columbians are getting a break. The Canadian Taxpayer Federation doing their regular year-end look at the tax breaks and tax increases ahead for 2020. They are praising some ch some changes at the federal level. The increase in the basic personal amount up to $15,000. They say that is good news right across the board for Canadians. But they are critical of a change here in British Columbia. The big change in BC comes in the form of changes to MSP premiums. The provincial government is scrapping the premium and replacing it with the employer health tax. About 75,000 employers were already paying the EHT in 2019, with many of them still paying the MSP on top of it, a case of being double taxed here. All employers with payrolls over half a million dollars have to pay, and the Canadian Taxpayer Federation points out it isn't just companies of various sizes who will be paying this tax, but also cities, municipalities, health authorities, and school districts, meaning they can find a way to download the cost to citizens. So even with MSP gone, the Taxpayers Federation says the cost to British Columbians remains. The monies have just been been shuffled around like a shell game.
while the MSP is gone and you won't see that envelope come to you in the mail all the time, it's still there. You're going to be paying it through lower wages in some cases, higher property taxes in other cases, and higher costs for your items at your stores because employers, job creators, are now bearing that burden. It's also worth noting that property taxes are on the rise for 2020. In the city of Vancouver, taxes will go up by 7% per household. And at the regional level, at the Metro Vancouver level, there's also an increase of $33 per household. It's just part of the reason why the Canadian Taxpayer Federation believes British Columbians are among some of the most taxed Canadians. Nadia Stork, Global News. Parts of Metro Vancouver saw snow overnight, and that made for some slippery conditions today. North Van Fire District officials are warning anyone heading to the local hills to exercise extreme caution. The roads are very slippery. Crews are also out performing tire checks at Mount Seymour, which saw 15 to 20 centimeters of snow earlier today. We're plowing the roads constantly. An alternative would be to take the shuttle bus. So we have shuttle stops at the Renfrew Skytrain Station as well as at the bottom of Mount Seymour. If people don't have the appropriate winter tires, they're more than welcome to take the uh, shuttle bus. Frustration is growing tonight among a group of residents displaced from their high-rise due to safety concerns. Just before Christmas, the city of Langford temporarily revoked occupancy of the building in the downtown core due to a report citing structural issues. Richard Zussman has more on the risk and what's being done to fix the problem. It greets every resident at Danbrook 1. Taped to the door, a warning, Langford's tallest rental building no longer deemed structurally safe. I'm just wondering what kind of uh, a domino effect this is going to create for whoever has been signing off on this. Tenants in more than 60% of the 85 units have now moved out. The city of Langford providing financial support for residents to find a new place to live. But finding those accommodations has been challenging. Imagine 80 tenants or 90 tenants moving together, find a new place in this vicinity of this area. It's going to be a challenge. It's been a week now since residents here were told it was unsafe and still they don't have any clear answers of exactly what went wrong. I don't think uh, Centurion, their own place, has helped us out one bit. Nobody has given us information of what's going on here. Nothing. Some clues have emerged, including the installation of these support beams. But it's not enough to boost the confidence of some residents. It's too bad because we like this place. It was a decent place to live until this problem occurred. The building is owned by Centurion Property Associates, the company not agreeing to an interview, only answering provided questions in an email. The written response detailing they are working with their engineers and the city engineers to determine what needs to be done to make the building safe. Part of the emailed response reads, at this point we have no reason to believe residents won't be able to return, but we don't have a definitive timeline on this. There's no amount of work that they can do to this building to save it, to make it feel safe for me or my family. The company says if this doesn't resolve itself soon, it would plan to release residents from their leases and return prepaid rents and deposits. But when things may be resolved, that's something owners of residents alike have no clue about. Richard Zussman, Global News, Langford. 
An unusual sight is attracting crowds to White Rock Pier. Hundreds of thousands of tiny fish are washing up on shore. It's a veritable buffet, and apparently not just for the wildlife. As Paul Johnson reports, this fishy phenomenon has many wondering, what's going on? The first sign that something unusual has been happening at White Rock Beach, a mass gathering of seabirds that you can see from a long way off. Then the sea lions cruising in from around the breakwater and then casually feasting for the afternoon. I've never seen it in 40 years, so it's truly incredible. Scientists say they're anchovies, normally seen further south in the Pacific Ocean. One early theory is that changing temperatures may have brought them here. But the question is, why are they washing up dead now? So far, the theory on that is that the predators drive them into ever denser schools until they've sucked up all the available oxygen out of the water. It's literally turned the shores of White Rock Beach silver. It's really hard to judge the scope of this event. As you can see, there are millions of dead fish that have already washed up on the beach. But if you look carefully just at the water's edge, you can see there are many, many more fish still out there. An underwater camera we hung off the end of the pier revealed even more fish still further out. While it's intriguing to watch them, the biggest draw for spectators has unquestionably been those sea lions. Not normally seen hanging around the pier, these ones astonished people with their size and appetite. They're putting on a real show for the people right here beside the pier, and, and they're scooping them up off the bottom. There's millions of dead anchovies on the bottom here right now. Don't hold the anchovies. With us humans in the middle of our own gorging season, it's good to know the sea lions are getting their fair share as well. In White Rock, Paul Johnson, Global News. BC Ferry says two of its new hybrid electric ferries have entered the Pacific Ocean. The island-class vessels, which were built in Europe, recently cleared the Panama Canal and are now heading to Point Hope Maritime in Victoria. Four more island-class vessels will be joining the fleet by 2022. The ferries are set to go into service next year and will be used on the Powell River Texada Island and the Port McNeil Alert Bay Sointula routes. 2019 would prove to be the year that cracked open the not-so-well-kept secret of money laundering in this province. Whistleblowers coming forward to Global News, pointing the finger at everything from casinos and real estate to luxury cars being used to clean up millions in dirty money. As John Wall reports, mounting pressure finally leading to a full investigation. The true cost was clear. Criminals using British Columbia as a laundromat for dirty money had left an undeniable stain on our society. As the people of this province have suffered greatly because of money laundering that was allowed to continue on. As criminal cash crept out of casinos, locals were priced out of the real estate market and thousands lost their lives to the fentanyl crisis. While the public demanded accountability, standing in the way was an apparent lack of political will. And there was like this kind of collective shrug from the political establishment in the province in the country um, as if it was, oh, not my problem. A new BC NDP government placed their bets on studying the scope of the problem. Denial, alternate hypotheses, and acrimony between entities made for a perfect storm. There is something far greater at stake here. Only a few elected officials helped voice the public's need for answers and accountability. I was concerned the 
influence of very powerful and entrenched interests was going to be too much and that we wouldn't be able to overcome that. When other politicians kept their heads down, whistleblowers decided to turn to global news. They're putting their uh, their job, their career, even, you know, the, the, the well-being of their family in your hands. Investigative journalist Sam Cooper fostered many of those relationships over the span of several years. They're trusting you with information that is so important uh, to the public that that they go through these risks. Some became confidential sources, others finding the courage to speak on camera. There's a power and it, there's also a challenge. When you can get someone to go on camera and speak their allegations directly, looking into the camera, I realize that's extremely powerful. I got absolutely nothing to gain, except I wanted people to know what exactly happened. With every Global News whistleblower report, the public demanded the government do more. You have to keep chipping away at it because politicians in this province, in this country, count on people having short attention spans and moving on. It would take a brave, self-described grandmother from the suburbs. Oh my God, we're dealing with, with gangs. This is Asian crime gangs. And a stack of handwritten notes from 20 years ago to back the BC government into a corner. The NDP brought in new rules for the casinos. A move the former dealer supervisor said attracted organized crime to our Richmond casino virtually overnight. We put in place the regulations that we felt were appropriate based on the best advice that we had at that time. And so do I have a responsibility for those? Absolutely. A global news investigation would uncover gaming revenue sheets that showed those changes brought in a flood of new cash. Staff were too scared to question. I was really uncomfortable, really feeling uncomfortable with what I was seeing. While even the Premier seemed to downplay the bombshell revelation. And I just don't know what the value is of going back uh, two, three decades, or two decades in this case, and saying, hey, that's where it started. Behind the scenes, a different story. When those stories broke, we heard from inside BC's government they could not ignore this anymore. It proved to be the tipping point. The people in government that this happened under their watch either were knowingly involved, uh, they were, you know, willfully blind or generally just incompetent. Then finally, the public got one step closer to truth and accountability. We believe a public inquiry today will allow us to get an understanding of how we got to this point. Order, all right. Mission of inquiry led by BC Supreme Court Assistant Chief Justice Austin Cullen. The more awareness there is of its presence and of the profound social harms it springs from and propagates, the less complacency there can be for facilitating or tolerating it. So far, those who bear risk to their reputations have been granted standing. Whistleblowers have not. I am going to make myself available at every opportunity to uh, uh, deliver my message as uh, carefully and uh, completely as I can. Those who fought for a public inquiry still holding on to hope. My message to them, and remember that your responsibility and duty is to the people of British Columbia and nobody else. As known whistleblowers get ready to name names and others prepare to come forward, countless victims in British Columbia are expecting those who brought their dirty cash into this province to finally pay for their crimes. John Hua, Global News.
We have some breaking news. A 10-year-old BC girl has been identified as the child who had a medical emergency and died on board a Delta Airlines flight. The Los Angeles County Coroner's Office has identified the victim as, as Janice Yu. Jew, rather, of West Vancouver. The girl was on a flight from Los Angeles International Airport to Seattle last night when fire officials say she went into cardiac arrest. The flight returned to LAX, where firefighters met the plane on the runway and worked to revive Jew, but sadly, she was pronounced dead at the scene. An autopsy is pending. Juno Award-nominated Inuit Canadian singer-songwriter Kelly Fraser has died at just 26. Fraser rose to prominence in 2013 when her cover of Rihanna's Diamonds, sung in Inuktitut, went viral. Her music blended folk, pop, hip-hop and electronica with politically charged lyrics sung in both English and Inuktitut. Fraser released her debut album in 2014. Her follow-up, Sedna, earned her a 2017 Juno nomination for Best Indigenous Music Album. Fraser had thousands of followers, particularly in Arctic communities. She reportedly died in her current home city of Winnipeg on Christmas Day. No cause of death has been released. Surveillance video from a car dealership capturing an explosion at a manufacturing plant in Wichita, Kansas. The blast caused the Beechcraft Aircraft Building to partially collapse, injuring 15 people. Fortunately, many employees who would have been at work at the time were on Christmas break. Officials say a liquid nitrogen line ruptured, causing the explosion. A news crew covering a highway crash in foggy West Texas was almost caught up in another collision. Watch this. Wow, an out-of-control semi careens into them after swerving out of the way of the original crash. Troopers scattered to avoid being hit, one of them jumping into the white pickup truck, which was pinned for a time by the big rig. Another trooper is also struck as the tractor-trailer crashed onto its side. Both are expected to be okay. The cameraman was also unhurt as he ran for his life. We have breaking news in Hawaii. Authorities have now found the remains of six people after a tour helicopter carrying seven people crashed off the coast of the island last night. They now say there is no indication of any survivors. A search for the last person yet to be recovered will resume in the morning, depending on the weather. Tonight, in a mountainous region on the island of Kauai, search teams have located a tour helicopter that had been missing since last night. They found the wreckage in a remote area on the island's west side. Police now say the search for any survivors is ongoing. Seven people were on board the helicopter, one pilot and six passengers, two of them reportedly minors. Officials say they were touring the Nepali coast yesterday. Their last contact came at 4.40 p.m. as the pilot was leaving a canyon area. They were due back at the airport around 5.30, but never returned. Battling windy conditions and low visibility, crews spent hours scouring the tourist destination known for its dramatic cliffs and emerald valleys. The Kauai Fire Department says the green and white aircraft, similar to this one, belongs to the tour company Safari Helicopters. The company has not yet commented. Earlier this year, three people were killed when another tour helicopter owned by a different company crashed in Honolulu. And in 2016, a teenager died after this tourist chopper suddenly plummeted into the water near Pearl Harbor. Now, more tragedy following another crash in paradise. 
Don Imus, an early pioneer of shock jock radio, has died. I don't know what's in his heart, and I don't know, uh, I've never listened to his show, but I want him fired. That's an ill-informed decision. Imus, who was best known for his outsized cowboy hat and for making controversial, often offensive statements, died less than two years after retiring. In January 2018, the controversial radio personality announced he was signing off, telling fans, turn out the lights, the party's over. His final day on the air was March 29th of last year. Imus was 79 years old. In Health Matters tonight, a new study reveals one quarter of younger Canadians say they've driven high or traveled with a high driver. The same poll from the Canadian Automobile Association found that while 86% of 18 to 30 year olds understand the importance of planning alternative travel options after drinking, 70% view it as less significantly, as significantly less important to do so after consuming cannabis. And the findings are based on a poll of more than 1,500 Canadians between late November and early December. It's likely a, um, a lack of education um, and not quite understanding uh, how cannabis affects your, your driving. You never know what's going to happen on the road. And if your reaction time is impaired by cannabis, um, then not having enough time to react to those last minute uh, events could lead to a collision or even a fatality. The CAA says the study's findings regarding attitudes and perceptions suggest the need for more public education. Evidence that limiting eating to just a few hours could have hidden health benefits. A new study suggests the popular intermittent fasting diet works for more than just weight loss, but it's not for everyone. Oh my. They say some people eat to live, others live to eat. But a new study is asking whether going hungry could be the key to a healthier and even longer life. Published in the New England Journal of Medicine, researchers are now taking a dive into two kinds of intermittent fasting. In one fast, instead of the good old breakfast, lunch, and dinner, you avoid food for 16 to 18 hours a day and only eat from a 6 to 8 hour window. The second, you eat your normal three meals, but only five days a week, and on two days, you cut all the way back to 500 calories. The study's author and professor of neuroscience, Mark Matson, has been fasting intermittently for nearly 30 years. Intermittent fasting enhances the ability of cells to cope with stress. He says all that quick feast to famine forces your body to switch between burning and storing fat like humans did in ancient times. Our bodies and brains evolved to function well, perhaps optimally, in a fasted state. The study finding that sometimes those switches can help reduce obesity, high cholesterol, blood pressure and inflammation, while increasing memory, cognition and resistance to disease. An easy sell on California's Muscle Beach. I just feel a lot better. But researchers say intermittent fasting isn't for everyone, specifically children, the elderly, people with eating disorders, or women who are pregnant or breastfeeding. And if you're thinking about it, check with a doctor or nutritionist before pushing that plate away. Gotti Schwartz, NBC News, Los Angeles. Sometimes it's the little things. A Florida girl is overjoyed with her gift from Santa. Um, yeah, well, we gave it away there. It's mustard, but we'll tell you there's more to the story <laughs> than that. We'll have it for you right after we get the weather forecast from Kesha and who is in for Christy tonight. Hello. And, uh, hello. Welcome back from your trip to Ontario. Thank you.
It's a little cooler here. Yeah. We're under a warm <laughs> front in Ontario. And what is this snow? Snow even in parts of Metro Vancouver. Thank you, Colleen, and a good evening. Snow's been a part of our weather picture in the central Okanagan. Zach clocked 1.5 fresh centimeters of snow this morning, even on Burnaby Mountain, SFU. Brad, he measured about two centimeters yesterday at lower levels. Also, Metro Town, Darren took this one. It was more of a rain-snow mix over here, but the Coquihalla wasn't looking too hot today. Uh, we picked up a few centimeters over there. And tomorrow, just small amounts here. We're talking two centimeters of snow. Uh, not a bad day for travel, really. It's into the afternoon that we're expecting the showers or the flurries, rather, to begin for central parts of the province. However, for coastal sections, this is where we're getting hammered by weather systems. In the red, we do have uh, wind warnings in effect. So winds in excess of 90k inland sections is a rain-snow mix. Even the possibility of some freezing rain through the morning hours. And here's how it plays out. Very windy over those coastal sections. It's already begun for us. And it's going to be periods of rain for us over Metro Vancouver tomorrow. At this point, uh, some models are just showing a chance of showers. And the risk is there also on our Sunday. And it's not until the afternoon that we're going to be picking up that snow for inland sections uh, in the southern interior. Have a look at what to expect for tomorrow afternoon. Picking up two centimeters of snow closer to Prince George. Rain and wind along coastal sections. And for the south, we're not going to be picking up a whole lot. But it will be uh, mostly cloudy skies, a little bit of flurries. We're really getting hammered along coastal sections again it's that rain and wind and here's a look at your long-range forecast for metro vancouver squeezing out some sunshine on our monday and then new year's eve new year's day on the active side as well there you go we'll take the sunshine where we can get it kesha thank you a florida girl is bringing some flavor to her favorite christmas gift oh my god he did seven gave me mustard oh my god that is so cool. Traditional gifts like toys or games just don't cut the mustard with Paisley of Palm Beach County. For her, Christmas is all about the condiments. Her fave, mustard, and now she has more than one bottle to spice up her meals for the next few months. She loves mustard on everything. Four mustards, yeah, baby. <laughs> Oh, that is the cutest thing. Paisley is so excited to unwrap the box of mustard that her mom shared the video on social media requesting that people spread the joy around. Oh, thank you. A little rim shot there. Love it. Oh. I would have been excited about uh, ketchup. Ketchup? Like that as a kid, yeah. <laughs> ketchup kind of kid. No gray poupon. No gray poupon. She just oh. likes Frenches. Just regular old Frenches. All right. Good honor. Um... They clearly, you know, they clearly bought that at Costco. Your turn. Okay. Thanks very much. <laughs> um, Thatcher Demko is back with the Canucks just in time to be available for tomorrow night's game with the LA Kings. I'm not sure he'll play. He'll likely be the backup to Jacob Markstrom, but with him back in the fold, Markstrom can now get some rest. Demko has been out with a concussion. He suffered it in practice earlier this month, but the recovery time for this concussion was a lot quicker than the one he suffered last year, which took about two months before he could get back on the ice. You know, it's a lot better feeling, you know, if you're out. You know, I think I was off the ice for only, like, you know, eight or nine days uh, as opposed to last year's, like you said, two months. So um, that's, that's good for me. It's hopefully good for the organization so we can, you know, lighten the load on Marky a little bit. And, um, you know, that was a tough stretch, and he did a great job, you know, doing what he could. And, um yeah, so I just want to help out the guys and, and be available. 
So what happens more than goals or saves in your average NHL game? Face-offs. There are a lot of them. And there are players who are better at them than others. And the Canucks have some of the NHL's best face-off guys in the NHL. Miller in Chandler's face-off with JT Miller able to win it. In today's NHL, possession is nine-tenths of the law. Start with the puck and the odds of something good happening go way up. The Canucks have turned into one of the best face-off teams in the NHL, currently second only behind Philadelphia. And they have the number one face-off man in the league, JT Miller, whose success rate is a remarkable 61.4%. I try to be strong, try to be consistent. Um, try not to worry about too much what the other people are doing. Sometimes that matters. A few different moves for a couple of different guys, but other than that, just be strong and consistent. Try to get the edge. There's always an edge to be had in the faceoff dot. I think it's a big part of it. They've also got Jay Beagle, who's ranked fifth, and Bo Horvat, 16th. Like last year, Horvat leads the league in total draws taken. He's always been a very good faceoff man, but it's a constant battle to beat the best in the world every night. I'm just trying to figure guys out. Um, I think uh, kind of a mind game and just learning guys' tendencies and stuff like that. Um, I'm trying to get better uh, year by year and just remembering different guys' uh, face-off techniques and trying to master my own. The Canucks work on face-offs diligently, most practices. Manny Melhotra, whose face-off win percent is the fourth best in NHL history, provides the guidance. For a young player like Adam Gaudet, it's a gradual process. He's only at 37% success for the season, but he is improving. He's won 16 of 23 draws in his last three games. Getting stronger, I think, is going to help the most. Um, you know, it's one of those things that's kind of tough to practice in the summer because it's uh, you really only get them in game-like situations and you don't have too many guys to practice with uh, in the summer. So I think just getting stronger in the weight room and putting on some more muscle um, each summer is just going to help my face-off game a lot. Winning draws doesn't necessarily mean winning games, but it helps. And with games so close these days, every edge counts. That's why having Miller dominating the circle has made such a difference. He's tough to beat. Luckily, I don't have to go against him night in and night out. Um, but uh, it's nice to definitely start with the puck when you're on, uh, on the ice with him. All right, Kale McCarr in Colorado against Minnesota. This is a nice goal by Gabriel Landeskog just before the end of the first period. We had to slow it down <laughs> just to give you a sense of how much skill, and that skills with two Zs, he has on this one. Just tied at 2-2. But it's now 3-2 Minnesota in the second period. After being off a football field for 14 months, nobody is really sure how Marshawn Lynch is going to play with the Seahawks this Sunday. But the hope is if the offensive line gives him the blocking, he could help Seattle beat the 49ers. Whatever happens, Seattle will be in the playoffs and Lynch will be one of their running backs in the postseason. In fact, he will be in Seattle as long as they can last in the postseason. One thing Lynch has brought to the Seahawks, though, this week is excitement after the downer of losing to Arizona and also losing all their running backs to injuries. Well, there's no question, I mean, it's undeniably, there's an there's a energy about and a juice about him being back here. Um, he's been such an extraordinary player and, and you know, character over the years. Uh, for this opportunity and to come back at this time with all that's going on, Christmas and everything, New Year's just around the corner, uh, it's just fitting that we were able to figure it out. And, and uh, I'm thrilled by the way he has brought it and, and learned and, and, and studied and worked at it to, to fit in. Um, 
it's only been an addition, you know, uh, coming in. So uh, I'm fired up for it, and uh, I, I'm, you know, I, I, once in a while I got to tell you, I'm chuckling a little bit about there he is, you know, he's back with us, you know, and it, it's exciting, and uh, I like it too, just like the fans like it. When he first comes on the field at CenturyLink on Sunday night, it's going to be louder than normal. And normally and it's, it's loud. pretty loud. Yes. <laughs> That's right. All right. Thanks, Squire. This is your ski report for today. Whistler Blackcomb picked up six fresh centimeters of snow, bringing it up to 96 centimeters of snow on the ground. Grouse has 103 centimeters, 135 at Cypress. Revelstoke got 10 centimeters of snow. Now 175 centimeters on the ground. Kicking Horse has 140. Silver Star has 152. Whitewater is looking great at 180 centimeters of a snow base. Powder King has 205 centimeters of snow on the ground. Guy, easy to do. <laughs> um, oh, we were talking about... Mount Washington couldn't get a date, but now it has a date. <laughs> you had to be with us a couple of weeks Never ago, mind. otherwise you'd not know that joke. Never mind. Inside baseball. Okay, so at this time of year, we all love to do the retrospectives. What right. was the top story? Of course, there's plays of the year. It's always of the year. So I thought, why not get into the swing of the same thing with uh, satellite debris? So we're going to show you some of the uh, favorites from this past year, starting with Johnsonville Meats. <laughs> Hi, I'm Jeff. In my Johnsonville commercial, we open up in the forest. I'm out in the wild eating my breakfast, and all of a sudden, a raccoon come up and asked me, what are you eating? Told him, Johnsonville breakfast sausage, fully cooked and ready to eat. Squirrel comes up and asks, tell me some more about that. So I told the squirrel, tastes great, it's got great texture. Turkey comes up and asks me if that comes in any other flavors. And I say, yep, comes in original. Porcupine comes in and he says, does that come in patties? I said, yep, they're new. Wolf comes in and says, how'd you learn to talk to animals? And I said, books. And the wolf says, touche. And we had a good laugh about that. <laughs> That's a breakfast sausage commercial made the Johnsonville way. I'm glad he didn't talk to a cow. <laughs> oh, speaking of animals, the next commercial uh, shows you that if you can't find a good human goalie, there's always a walrus who can stop pucks for you. Here we go. Geico makes it easy to get help when you need it. With licensed agents available 24-7. It's not just easy. It's having a walrus and goal easy. <laughs> Good job, Duncan! Way to go! It's not just easy, it's Geico easy. Oh, Duncan, stay up. No sleepies. Duncan. <laughs> That's adorable. I love that one. Okay, last one we have is from Friskies, and it's an older cat basically telling Schooling. what's up to a kitten. Here we go. Dear Kitten, since I have hissed at you the customary 437 times, it is now my duty as the head of the household to begrudgingly welcome you. Perhaps you are here to replace me, but I must do my duty and educate you on your new surroundings. Dear Kitten, this room here is basically a crapshoot. Either you get the petting of your life, and I mean two hands, like you don't even know what's going on, or they just lie there and don't do anything. For hours, it's weird. 
Oh, and I should also point out, on special occasions, they will leave the underwear drawer open to signal their appreciation of me. Just to be clear, it's my spot. It's perfect in there. Dear Kitten, because you are so small, you cannot jump, which is sad, sad for you, but eventually you will, and you will find the places that I refer to as up. This will come in handy, especially around the human larva, which I know smells like milk, but can be a bit grabby. Dear Kitten, you should be aware that there are two kinds of food. The first is sort of a dehydrated brown niblet. I think they give us these because they're training us to be astronauts. Just a guess. The second kind is wet food. It is so special they keep it in little armored metal casings that no claw can penetrate. With no claws to speak of, the humans can somehow open them. It's like some dark magic. Dear Kitten, I should warn you of the monster known as Vacuum. It can eat and yell at the same time. And I've seen it eat everything. Seriously, like a paperclip and two cat toys. Didn't even flinch. To hide from Vacuum, you may use the curtains of invisibility. Oh yeah, you're good. Good hiding. Oh boy. So, kitten, welcome to the household. You'll do just fine. Okay, that was adorable. And they were all good kids. And the vacuum can be frightening, even the humans. Looking forward to next year's Satellite Debris Squire. Thank you for that. Quick last word on weather. Uh, Showers along the coast, flurries for interior sections. Thanks for joining us. Take care.